Hey guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your Thursday, October 13th episode. Hopefully you're having a fantastic week. You have moved on from the Sunday trauma that the Cleveland Browns have given us and are looking forward now, like us, you know, all of us sickos are that follow this football team, to a fresh new weekend of Cleveland Browns football, which we will talk in depth about in the coming days, the opponent, the game plan, all of it. But a midweek break, you know what we like to do. Couldn't catch him last week, but we're back with him this week. It's Jordan Zern. We're going to go around the NFL. Uh, I'm going to let you take the wheel, though, here, Jordan. I want you to talk to us, man, about, I guess it's a state of the Browns franchise, in your opinion. I want to get every, I had Jared do it yesterday. I'm going to have John do it tomorrow, and I want you to talk me through it right now. When this happens, when they do what they're doing, how are you coping with it? Are you just numb to it? Are you angry? Like what with with the way this thing has gone, man? Give me your state of the Browns right now for Jordan. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, I think like I think Jake, we're probably used to um, you know, sort of there there's certainly a numbness to it. I mean, I still get very frustrated. I still, you know, it still definitely, you know, can affect my mood for for a couple hours. But I, I do think that we've seen enough of these that there is sort of a, a numbness to it um, that you can sort of move on quicker from it. And, but it, you know, this is a little bit different because I think in the past, you know, there, there wasn't, there wasn't really these expectations that uh, the team and, and there wasn't as much talent as uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball um, as they have right now. So, you know, in the past they've, there've been games that they've been in or that they've been winning and you're like, Oh wow. Like they're playing really well. I didn't expect them to play like this. And then they sort of, you know, slowly let the other team come back or they do something absolutely buffoonish and, and let a team, you know, snatch the, snatch the game away from them. And you like, it sucked, but it was like, at the same time, it was like, yeah, I mean, like this team is not a team that uh, should have been competitive in this game in the first place. I think what's, what's hardest about what's happened so far this season is um, the offense has been pretty good. (laughs) And, you know, we've, obviously there's things to, to nitpick about both sort of the, the players decisions Jacoby has made late in games, you know, some personnel decisions from Stefanski, like all of that is, um, you know, totally fair to, to kind of take into consideration here, but for the most part and by most metrics, um, the offense is a very efficient machine that is continuing to sort of run on the back of its running game and um, make enough plays in the passing game to put themselves in positions where they're scoring enough points where they should be winning. You know, there's an alternate universe, Jake, where they're five and zero. I think it's when we did the pod. I think before the first week of the season, we did our like, you know, our bold predictions for the season. I, I'm pretty sure I said I think the Browns could have a top five defense. So shout out to me for having just an incredible take on that end. Uh, <laughs> that's why we record those so we can listen that's... back to them and we'll get there like mid season. We'll do a temperature check on our takes. Oh, I'm already excited to, to hear me say that one out loud. So um, yeah, I guess like state of the Browns is, I mean, a lot of people have said this already, but I mean, they're, they're absolutely sort of at a crossroads with this game against new England because it's another home game. You know, you're playing a team that, it doesn't look like Mac Jones is ready to come back yet. So you're, you know, you're going to be facing Bailey Zappi and it's just like, if you, if your defense looks the same against a team with very limited offensive weapons now, you know, they have some talent at, at running back and Stevenson who already ran them over <laughs> last year. So like that's already been done. But I mean, just from a standpoint of like, who's going to be under centered, like, 
if if the defense performs like that again and, and continues to give up these chunk plays and these explosive plays like multiple times a game like we've seen all season long like there's it's going to change the tenor of of not only the conversation about the Browns team and expectations but but internally Jake you and I were talking or were texting after the game last week and especially when they made that trade like you know about five six hours after the game ended and you know, there's there's obviously stuff going on internally with this organization that's like, what what is going on and how do we fix this? Because I, I still, and you would probably agree, maintain that like the individual talent they have on the defense, maybe it's not as good as we thought, but it's not it's not what it is right now. You know, it's not what it is and how they're performing out there with constant miscommunications, constant chunk plays in both the run game and the passing game. And, and it, it, they're better. They're so much better than that. And they should be better than that. And I, I still believe that. And so I think we're at a place now where the temperature is going to, the temperature is going to fly through the roof. If like the thermostat's going to break, if, if we see another like poor defensive performance against a, a very limited offensive team in the Patriots. So um this feels like a point in the season, Jake, where things can go one of two ways. And and one of those ways is is down a path that's going to be really unfortunate because I think it's going to turn into, it has the potential to turn into a lost season. And I think when you when you look at what this team is and, and what they've been able to do with Jacoby Brissett and an offense that doesn't have all its, you know, all its weapons, obviously, uh, specifically at the quarterback position, it's just really... Uh, it's really disappointing, man, and I'm I'm nervous about where this thing goes if if they have a, another tough one on Sunday. I think that's fair. I think you're saying some pretty similar things to what Jared and I said yesterday. With you know what these losses are like and how they've they're, they're just unique and they don't give you based on what hope you think you have coming at the end of the year. They don't give you a ton of hope that that is gonna work. You know, fix the woes like the defense being bad was the singular thing that we didn't expect and there is no solution for right now. Could there be a solution in the off season? Sure. But right now there's no solution for that. And that's crippling. It, it changes the entire outlook. So I think you're echoing a lot of the sentiments that, you know, myself and Jared had just yesterday. So it's, I, I would imagine most people are angling in the same direction where, you know, you thought this team had a certain ceiling and could they limp through and then they get the quarterback back and, well, that still will help. It it just the ceiling has changed with the defense. I do not see a miracle fix. And to your greater point, if there is a issue again on Sunday where the run defense is uh, the same problematic thing, uh, it's, you know the way Haslam looked. I don't know if you saw the video of Jimmy Haslam when he was walking off the field after the kick was made. like. It just feels like there's going to be some ultimatums made. I really, I mean, I'm talking not Kevin's job, but I do think whose voice is leading the defense. If it's another 200 plus yard rushing day, um, I, th- I think there could be some uncomfortable stuff that happens. I really do. And I, I don't know that somebody gets fired necessarily, but there could be a change in voice. I don't know. I just, I think that, that this would be the first moment in my opinion, Jordan, where all the cards would be on the table. So to yeah. me, it is a wildly important game. So we will take a quick break uh, now, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about some big NFL storylines that are kind of floating out there. Some have been uh, you know, recent, some have been earlier in the week, but we want to hit on those. So we will be right back. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250 k in cash alone. 
Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So looking around the NFL, some big storylines, man. Uh, as we do with this show every week, uh, the, the Devontae Adams thing, it's like, uh-huh. uh, you know, it happens. Devontae clearly is upset. I think he knows right away or somebody tells him, brother, you messed up. And um, he knows it, apologizes, puts out a tweet. I, for some reason, thought that would be the end of it. Uh, I did not think uh, Buddy Boy would take uh, action and here we are. So he's been charged with uh, misdemeanor assault. A uh, couple ways of framing this question for you. Are you surprised by this outcome? And would you, I mean, like, would you consider doing the same thing? Because I mean, this is like a money opportunity for this guy. So it's like, I mean, I don't know, it seems slimy, but I think it's easy for everybody to sit there and, 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 and high horse themselves. But you know, maybe he did really get hurt. I haven't seen anything from the guy, but I mean, it was just, it wasn't a brutal push, but it was a push, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing, but yeah. I mean, where are you at on it? What do you, what did you think about the, uh, Devontae push uh, stuff? It is very like, well, it's funny because it is very much like Devontae. The type of shove was just like, I don't, you mean nothing to me, you know, like yeah. that, that was the type of shove that it was. It was, it was basically, I think, it was more disrespectful than, than anything, you know, malicious. Like it was just very much like, please, who are you? Get out of my face. Um, <laughs> I, you know, what it reminds me of a little bit, Jake is like, yeah, not to make complete light of the situation, but like, you know, for those who have watched like better call Saul, but like those, the, the first season where, you know, those, those two skateboarding kids are, uh, you know, trying to, one of them jumps out onto his car uh, while he's driving. They're running a little bit of a game where like one of them gets 
pretends to get hit by you know Jimmy's car, and then the other one has his camcorder out, and is like, "You hit him! You hit him! You have to pay us two hundred dollars right now!" Like that's a little bit of like what this feels like with you know the guy going as far to um, yeah charge him with press charges and and get misdemeanor assault. Um, what's really interesting to me is you know when I when I worked at the NFL, um, they you know we had they're called LCCs and they they basically are what that guy was doing. Like they are people on the field with, you know, whether it's their iPhone, whether it's a camera, like that guy had uh, where they're filming content, you know, on the sidelines all game. And when I was working at the NFL in social like that, uh, we would use a lot of that video. They would essentially capture, you know, video of of a touchdown or a big player, like whatever it is from their perspective. And they would upload it to us um, and we would use it for social posts. And so that guy was a freelancer for ESPN, uh, but it was doing a similar thing. And I'm still in a, a group, a group text with some of the guys that were LCCs that I got to know during my time at the NFL. And they actually have a really interesting perspective on it because they were kind of like, man, that dude ran out there, not looking where he was going. He's got this giant, they call it like a C stick, like whatever that guy was holding with the camera. Like he's got this giant apparatus and he's basically just like sprinting across the field, not looking where he's going whatsoever. And if, if you watch the video, like, yes, the, the shove was, the force of the shove was definitely unnecessary. Um, I, I don't fully blame the guy for being like, I'm, I'm about to pay off my student debt, you know, with like, <laughs> with this, <laughs> with this charge that I'm going like, you know what, man, do your thing. Uh, you know, get it, get what you can get. This is an opportunity and take it. But it, it is like the guy was not paying any attention to where he was going. He was trying to run and get a shot and he's just sprinting with this giant piece of equipment. You know, and it's just very much like they had the the opinion that um, Devontae was getting a little too much heat. And these are guys that have done this, that have been down on the field, that have covered players, that have tried to film, you know, shots where they've got to sprint around and do stuff. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, so I'm I'm in the camp of, you know, shove was unnecessary. Like just be, but neither one of them was aware aware of their surroundings enough. Devontae just like. Here's a guy. He's in my way. I'm pushing him. Doesn't matter who it is, which is a really dangerous thing to do, <laughs> like to just ignore whoever it is in front of you. And then, but also the cameraman, just like oblivious, just sprinting in front of, you know, Devonte Adams. So it's like I feel like both of them, you know, are are a bit in the wrong here. But I do think like going as far as charging him with misdemeanor assault is pretty wild. But listen, man. You know, you don't get opportunities like this often in life, Jake. Where you know you're probably fine, but it's a it's a it is a very prominent NFL player who shoved you and the cameras caught it and you're like listen man I ha- even I'm fine I probably don't even care that much about it but you know you got to get your money you know you got to get like a I don't know maybe he needs a second TV and and who are we to say that he can't get it <laughs> I think it's easy for a lot of people to be like I can't believe <laughs> he's doing that well okay you know if you're walking down the street and you know, someone catches Leo DiCaprio pushing you on screen, you're, you're probably going to be like, you know, I'm going to go after this and make some money. I'm going to go yeah. ahead and fake some injuries and get some money because this guy has, you know, insane amounts of it and whatever. You know, I think it's easy to be like, I just, I, for some reason, I just didn't think it was going to happen like that. I thought this guy, I just thought it would all brush over, but silly me, man. Like that's, that's <laughs> not how it goes. It's just not how it goes. So not I'm ever. sure it, that the guy or he, you know, his agent calls Devante and he's like just the biggest eye roll in the world about, Oh my God, like really? So I'm sure it'll be, uh, you know, dropped or something. He'll, he'll reach a settlement and 
life will go on. But uh, nonetheless, it's 2022, and here we are talking about a cameraman getting pushed who really created the situation himself because I do think he kind of startled him. I do think his running Absolutely. out startled him. So it wasn't like it wasn't like Legarrette Blunt finding somebody to punch on the field. It was a it was a very real like, hey man, where you come from? Uh, he's mad anyway, which adds to it. But yeah, nonetheless, uh, jumping around now from Pushgate, we're gonna we're gonna go over to uh, the first NFL firing, which I think most people thought this would be the f- league's first firing. So it's not a surprise with the Panthers and Matt Rule, but I think the angle of you know Baker Mayfield is is interesting because the, they're listen, they're big Baker supporters. Not a secret. I think we all encountered. Many Baker Mayfield supporters. And the thing that was amazing to me was how happy people were that those people were that he was traded to Carolina. And I'm like, if you care about Baker Mayfield, this is not the situation you would want him to go to. Like flat out terrible situation. Matt Rule was done. McAdoo was the offensive coordinator like this. And again, Baker has done nothing to help. He has honestly been a bigger detriment than most people on that team this year to put them in the position that they're in. But like, I just always sort of found it funny that there was this justification process going on that like, Oh, McAdoo's offense will be great for him. Oh, he'll, you know, the Panthers with all these wide receiver, the best wide receiver weapons he's had. Look what, let's see what he does. And it's like, really? Have you looked at, have you looked at Carolina's structure? Have you looked at a lot of things like that's, he's going to be hunting for another job because another head coach is going to come in. They don't want him. And he's going to be trying to find his next landing spot. It was all too easy for for me to see, at least. I mean, are you surprised how this just shook out? Maybe the timing's a little early, but I just I thought Carolina was a wreck, and people trying to like celebrate the if you were the big Baker supporters, and there was some in the national group who were that way. I could not fathom how you thought the Carolina destination was a good destination for him. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think this was as easy a. As, as easy of a firing to predict as as there was in the league this season. And then, yeah, I mean, like, you even watch how they use Christian McCaffrey up until last week, um, or, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago. I don't really think they got back to it. But, I mean, they were, like, running him, like, between the tackles like he was A.J. Dillon, you know? Like, they, they the way they were even using their most talented player on offense, like, that before they started, like, throwing him the ball and being like, oh, we can actually use him out in space. Maybe we should try doing that. Um, just a, yeah, no, a horrendous situation. I mean, I... I think about, you know, the Colts were always so linked to Baker and the Colts are going through their own struggles, even though they barely escaped Denver with that win. They look horrendous doing it. I mean, they they look completely broken, too, and they can't run the ball for 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 anything. So maybe it wouldn't have been any better there. But like at least like I consider Frank Reich a a creative, smart coach um, who can do some things offensively that are interesting and and some play action stuff and. Um, I don't just help his quarterback out more than, yeah, what Matt Rule and, and that offensive Carolina um, has done. So, yes, like to your 100 percent agree with you to your point, like Baker has been absolutely atrocious. I think we've all seen the stats about his QBR and how it's like the worst since through X amount of games since like Jamarcus Russell, which is like a name you never as a quarterback, you never, ever want to have in the same sentence as yours. So it, it's been a struggle. But like, yeah, like there was no I mean, he's he was dead in the water there. And now it's like like you're exactly right here what's going to happen is they'll bring in a new coach he's not he's going to be like i have no interest in baker mayfield on my football team get him out of here mm-hmm. and I, I don't know where he goes i mean maybe he ends up as a backup somewhere but man like i just 
the trajectory of his I, his I, career I, is 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 essentially done, and it's it's just wild, man. It is. I was talking about this with a friend the other day, just about how quickly this happened, and I mean, I I figured that might be the case this season uh, with the Panthers, but it it escalated quickly with the firing, and and now he's just you know he's he's a he's kind of a a sitting duck there. Um, so yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I think also too like. Yeah, this is obviously making light of it a little bit, but Matt Rule just has the face of a coach that isn't going to succeed in the NFL. He's just got that that sort of like dumbfounded look on his face, you know, that a lot of coaches who get fired <laughs> have. And so if you just watch Matt Rule on the sideline, like, yeah, oh, that guy's face, that guy's face doesn't give me a lot of confidence. I think you can you can tell a lot about a coach by by their face on the sideline. And and I between McAdoo and Matt Rule, man. You just look at those two guys, and you're like, "No, there's we have no idea what we're doing." Yeah. Like this it's is an elite. Happen. It's an elite dude pairing. It, <laughs> it really is. is. Thank you, thank you. That's a perfectly put. It is an elite um, doofus pairing. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, I don't know where Baker's going to end up. I don't know how much longer he's like going to be in the NFL. And it's wild to even to say that out loud uh, so quickly and so soon after the Cleveland stint. But man, the NFL moves fast. And, it moves uh, fast, and you it got, is if you're going to. If you're going to get another shot, you have to have a bunch of qualities NFL teams are looking for. uh, What do they call them? The intangibles, right? You have to have all that stuff better be perfect. And I just don't think it's perfect. And I really think that the league told him what they thought of him before the Carolina trade. And I think he's in for a very rude awakening about uh, where his career is going after. And I, he might be brought in somewhere where he can compete, but he will be way behind the eight ball in that competition. Um, I think he might get one more shot somewhere. I don't know where that somewhere is, but I think maybe, maybe one more, but I would not be surprised if we've seen the last Baker Mayfield is our starter thing happen here. So yeah, NFL moves fast. And um, again, it's, it's just, it's just, that's just how it goes, man. It's, it's, you got to perform. And on top of needing to perform, you, you, you better be a guy that is helping the situation and not hurting it. Right. And I think there are times where he hurts situations that he's in because of things he says or his animosity and, and uh, yeah, and and just a general unwillingness to ever change. So there's that too. Um, Switching to other quarterback dramas uh, some some bigger than others here this one's not a huge one but it is an america's team uh, air quotes the cowboys and they have a similar situation to what cleveland is going to be somewhat walking into if things hold to the status quo which is you know cooper rush is playing and he's playing you know fine he's certainly not the reason singular reason they're four and one but he's playing fine in these games that he's played i think they've won four in a row that he started and I'm sure people in Dallas are asking, well, you know, should they start Dak when he comes back? And uh, I think that's funny. I think Dak obviously starts the same way Deshaun starts. And, and, but it, I guess my question is like, does it do anything to team flow when they're playing really well? And I, I just I do wonder if the Browns will have any issues of uh, how well everything flows. If Jacoby keeps playing as well as he's playing which would put him in a really respect. Now, again, he's made those mistakes that have hurt them. A couple of them wouldn't have even been there if uh, some situations shook out differently with the defense, as we all know is the biggest issue in Cleveland, but um, nonetheless hasn't changed his, his issues at the end of games. So I guess it's like, is there any scenario where a guy like, like a guy like a Cooper rush or, or Watts, like would the Browns have had to have been 11 and 0? would they have had to have been, 
10 and one? Like what's, what's the scenario where they wouldn't have started Watson right out of the gate? Is there any one at all? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's like a fun thought exercise. I mean, yeah, I think if they like, you know, went 11 and 0 or, or 10 and one or whatever, you'd, you'd certainly have to like, at least think about it. Right. Like, and especially with, you know, there's a little bit of difference with the Watson thing, just because, you know, we've touched on before how he, aside from that one preseason game, he's barely played competitive football in like a year and a half. So he's essentially coming back as a so rusty and it's going to take him time. So I think, you know, that's also something that you would have to factor into that if, if Jacoby was continuing to playing at like sort of the efficient level that he's been playing at. And yeah, I mean, there is, again, we touched on it, like, you know, say they're even at, sitting at five and zero right now, Jake, like this alternate universe where you and I are, you know, we have, we're living only very slightly different lives where, where the Browns are five and zero, and like, you know, they keep going, they beat new England this week, they're six and zero, and then you're just like, okay, what's going on? You know, like, I, I do think you would have to give it some thought um, to the point where it's like, does it make sense to throw in, albeit a very talented quarterback, but a guy that is going to need time to shake off the rust and like, yeah. Do we want to do that when this team is playing so well? Now, I, you know, obviously things have gone the opposite way and that's not going to be a question, but I do think to your point of like team flow, like obviously it's not enough of a reason to, you know, be like, ah, we're going to, you know, we're not going to bring Dak back in the starting role right away. Like it's, it's just not going to happen because um, Cooper Rush just isn't talented enough where I think like that would make sense. But I do think there is something to, a football team that gets used to playing one way with a backup quarterback. And it's like, okay, here are like the two to three things we do really well. Um, and, and, and we're executing them and we're going to build our offense around them. This is how we're going to play. And you start playing that way, you know, for six, seven, eight weeks. And you can't help, but as a, a player to like have that routine ingrained in you, I think it's like anything in life. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, okay, we've got a more, much more dynamic quarterback coming back. We're going to, you know, open the offense up and, and change it a bit. And then, it's just going to take time, you know, and, you know, they looked bad week one with Dak in there. Um, and that's obviously too small of a sample size to be like, is it going to, are they going to drop some games while they try to get things right offensively and get Dak back in there? So no, I mean, I think it's really interesting. And I do think there is a line where it is like, okay, yes, this quarterback coming back is much more talented, but we've been playing this one style in this one way and the, our players are used to it and we're winning. Like, does it make sense to, to just shake that up immediately. But obviously we're early enough in the season and, and the Cowboys have a cushion now where it's like, you can sort of enter Dak back in there. But I mean, the Jacoby thing would be really interesting if, you know, this alternate universe, which, you know, was pretty close to happening with the Browns being undefeated. A lot of people say they should be undefeated. Like it, that would be, as we kept going, a really interesting question because I think J Jacoby, aside from, you know, those very unfortunate late game, mistakes has has played well beyond my expectations like he's he's blown me away with some of the throws and some of the stuff he's been able to do that I just didn't think was part of his repertoire so um yeah I think that's a really fun thought exercise and unfortunately we're probably not like th that point's going to be moot but um it is it is a really interesting thing team flow I think is something that does really exist in football so I think that's a it's a fun thing to think about I'm trying to think of many situations where this has happened. I, I mean, Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe, Drew came back in the playoffs, right? Like late in the play. Was yep. it the Super Bowl week he came back? I can't remember. I th it was something like that where Drew came back after the early season injury, and they're like, we're just going to stick with Tom. Um, 
I think there was the Kurt Warner, Trent Green thing happened too. I don't know if I'm right on that or wrong on that, but I think so. And then there might have been another one with Kurt Warner with the Cardinals where he took a, I could be wrong on that, but I'm, I'm and anybody who's listening and you want to chime in on this tomorrow, let me know. But I'm trying to think of situations where a team has either paid a quarterback handsomely um, or, you know, uh, has an esta- at least an established guy and they don't go to him right away because the team is playing so well. So I find yeah. that to be I mean, really the interesting o- one. The only thing, and, and this really isn't the same situation, but, you know, it's like when the Seahawks gave Matt Flynn all that money and then, you know, they were going to run their offense one way with Matt Flynn, this veteran, and, and then Russell Wilson just played so well in the preseason that they were like, well, what if we just put him in right now? And that's, a yeah. you know, it's a little bit different than, you know, a guy scheduled to start either gets hurt or, you know, is away for a little bit. Um, and his replacement sort of steadies the ship, but you know, it's a similar thing where you got to make those decisions in the moment, you know, and, and obviously it worked out for the Seahawks, but, um, but yeah, it is a, it is an interesting thing to think about. And I would be, it'd be interesting to see if, yeah, people have, you know, examples that they can, they tweet us or, or they remember about guys that have kind of come into those situations. I, yeah, I, I think those are the first ones that come to my mind. So yeah, if you guys think of some or remember some, I'm not, Feel free to hit me up because I think it's interesting, and I I do think the Browns would have had to maybe like been ten and one, ten and one, and yep, and uh, Jacoby is is just lighting it up, which again he has played really well outside of three plays, in my opinion. So Jake, um, I uh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, this is somewhat off topic. I mean, not completely off topic, but this was something I was thinking of because I was thinking about. I mean, I know the last thing we're going to get to is sort of you know the standings and and where some teams are that, that this kind of you know quarter mark, early mark of the season. But I was really curious, you may have talked about this already on, on some pods this week, but about the, the Staley decision to to go for it on that fourth down at the end of the game. And and if you, if that, it has been interesting to me because he had sort of, I, I feel like he had slowed down a little bit the extremism of his going for it on fourth downs after he, he did it almost all the time last season because mm-hmm. there obviously was some blowback for that. I was I was fairly surprised that he did it just because I thought, you know, he had sort of reversed course a little bit on that. I was I, I was interested in if you've talked about this on, on other pods, you don't have to go super in depth, but I, I was interested for your for your take on that that decision because that was such a you know, we talk about just the disappointment of the defense, but that was such a pivotal thing that gave the Browns instant life. Uh, and should have led to them winning the game that I, I would love to your thought on that because I'm looking at the Chargers as a team that like, man, they're so talented, but like, they just, you know, their defense gets shredded, gets shredded by the Browns and they've got, they've got dudes on that defense, you know, like, and just, I mean, obviously Bosa is out and um, they've, they've had some injuries, but man, like they're, they're such a talented team and they just keep seeming to like do things that continue to hold them back. I don't know if you felt like that fourth down call was, was an example of that or if you were, if you were good with it. Listen, I'm not I'm not anti-analytics. I, I actually welcome them. I think they do a lot of good stuff for football and they, they, they generally inform people to make to to bring to light what can be good decision making. I think they do a nice job. Um it's funny because Anthony Reinhardt, who works with us at the OBR, is Anthony's an extremely smart guy, a coder. He's and great. He knows things I don't even dream to know about how numbers work and, and computers work and all of it. And him and I kind of got into it a little bit about that decision because like to him, it's very black and white. The The model says it's 88% win probability if you get the first down there, and it's 76% if you punt. 
I get that. I can read one numbers larger than the other. Totally get it. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can rectify what that, un, you know, I can understand what that's telling me. The thing is, though, it's not always black and white. It wasn't fourth and one. It was every bit of fourth and two. And it was not like a like you're not running that. You're, you're really not. Not from the way they the, the gun stuff like they could have run it and certainly would have been justified the way they had been running throughout portions of the game. But they had actually struggled to run the ball late in the game. So to me, at that point, 12 percent of win probability, I felt way more comfortable pinning Jacoby Brissett. Now, if this is Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. a big time quarterback, yo, I want to end this game right now. I am in no way, shape or form putting the ball back in his hands the rest of this game. Not doing it. Get it. I got it. You can handle your own destiny. But when Jacoby Brissett just made a horrible interception happen, a terrible one that sucked the life out of the stadium, you could tell it was just crippling and how he felt. And if you watched him on the sidelines, he was out of it. He was out of it because everybody thought that game was over and understandably, right? So you say, I would, would you say, okay, the bad outcome here is the worst outcome here with a minute left. There's a minute, just over a minute left. The Browns have no timeouts. They have Jacoby Brissett and they have no threat of a run game. And when you eliminate some of the neutrality in the passing game, Jacoby does struggle. True, true pass sets. True predictable throw scenarios. He's not been great this year. That's why the Browns have a great luxury in house. They have a a fantastic running game and a coach who can scheme up things off of that running game and scheme up things off of the run pass balance stuff and down and distance. So they're able to help him a lot, but you cannot help him a lot in two minute scenarios or even a one minute scenario. where They have no timeouts. So you're dealing with not a bunch of great separators. You're dealing with not the most creative quarterback of all time and you're dealing with a guy who just made a crippling mistake 10 out of 10 times for me i'm punting that i'm putting him back inside the 10 and i'm letting my guys get after him and i'm I'm making life miserable on him and the worst case scenario in a minute is that they probably get it to field goal range while the worst case scenario on the on the flip side is they probably like they're already in field goal range so yep. like that that to me just i just would not i just you're you almost you're giving the game away. You're giving the game away to me there in that scenario, especially given what they called on top of the decision. Like, I just, I, yeah, I I just think if it was a different quarterback and the game was different, where Jacoby had just lit you up and was super confident. No, man, he just made a really bad mistake. They have no timeouts. Their wide receivers don't separate well. Uh, I'm just, I can't, I couldn't believe that that was the route he went. It's not like their past defense had been that atrocious. They were getting beat in off play action. A lot of times that's, that's really the crux of it. They were beat several times off of, you're not getting run action stuff in one minute. They have a minute to get down the field. So to me, man, I, I am not, I'm not going for that. And I thought it was borderline a fireball offense. Like I just thought that that was lunatic stuff to go for that. I really did based on the situations around it. Now, a database isn't going to tell you that. They're going to tell you based on similar situations in games, this is what it looks like. But there's more to those numbers than just what has happened to other teams in the past. It is There are quarterbacks at play. There are game situations to account for and like how a guy has played leading up to that moment. So I, I thought if I was a Chargers fan, and I'm clearly Keenan Allen was, speaking his mind on the, on the issue, like <laughs> yep. th- there was no reason to go for that. I thought it was just lunatic stuff given the scenario uh, and what, what was going on out there on the field and, and how your defense had been playing. And again, 
it's not that their defense was playing that well, but it 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 also you got to look at there's a minute in the type of schemes the Browns can run, and 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 it was evidenced by the Browns ran what six plays, I think six plays after they got the ball back and moved ten yards, like yep. They they couldn't move it. They weren't going to move it on you if you punted it. They just weren't, unless your guys just just slipped and fell or something. Bananas happened. So I I I thought it was terrible, and I I'm just not a huge Brandon Staley fan personally, and I wanted that to blow up, and it would have been the news of the week. It would have been everywhere, and it still has been in a lot of places, but it would have been everywhere. So I don't know what you think, but that's where I'm at with it. I get what the numbers tell me, and if I'm punting the ball back to a really good quarterback uh, and and a group of like you know, receivers maybe that Tampa Bay has or somebody like that. I, I get it. I totally get wanting to just end that game right there. But boy, that's not what Cleveland has. And I get that the offense in Cleveland has been pretty good, but you got to understand why they've been pretty good. And that advantage that Cleveland has baked in was not baked in in those moments that were coming up if you punted it. So uh, I just thought it was a terrible choice, just terrible. And I won't yeah. really hear it any other way, but I love to hear opinions. I won't believe any other way, but I'll listen to what other people were thinking. Yeah, no, I didn't listen I mean, to anything I, Staley said either. I had I had no interest in it. I'm sure he got asked. I, I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> um, no, I don't know if I I don't know if I did watch his. Uh, I was doing a lot of driving on that Sunday, so I don't I don't think I saw what he said. I think you know I I agree with you on almost all of that, and it's interesting because like I am like same as you. I'm I'm very like pro analytics and pro like just going for it and and putting the game into your own hands and all of that. And I think like. I, I joke tweet that like, you know, so many of these coaches are getting cyber bullied into not going for that fourth down because like, every time it doesn't work, people just like decide to pay attention to the result instead of the process. And the process is usually sound. I, this was one of the first ones where I was like, yeah, like I, I was trying to imagine if that, if it was the other way around and it was the Browns, you know, going for that fourth and two and they had this lead and, and they, and they did that. And, and the chargers on the other side had a, kicker like Cade York who up until that game had not missed a field goal and obviously is known for his leg so like like you said like you missed that and you're almost already in you know putting the the other team in field goal range so that was one of them where it's like I think like you said is a perfect example of where it really isn't black and white and it is like you have to be aware not only I think to your point of like Jacoby Brissett and are they going to be able to move the ball and they're totally demoralized after that long drive that led to an interception um, and then, yeah, just like Cade York on the other side. And now, you know, he ends up missing and he, you know, had a, had a really rough day. But, like, you still have to think about the leg power and that guy's range. And so I, I was there with you. I think this is one of the first times for me where I'm typically like, yeah, absolutely, go for it. I think you should be aggressive. I hate uh, timid football. I hate playing, you know, not to lose instead of playing to win. Like, I've always been against that. And I, and I love coaches being more aggressive on fourth downs. But this was the one time where it's like, man, if they, you know, if Cade had made that and the Chargers, you know, had dropped to, um, you know, two and four and, and are just like this, they continue to be this super talented team, um, or excuse me, two and three, um, and the super talented team that just like can't get out of their own way. And, and you've got Herbert and you've got these guys and your coach is making these decisions that are just kind of shooting themselves in the foot, man. Like you said, it would have been pretty spicy uh, going into that next week with all the conversation around it. And now like, you know, I think people are going to forget about this because the, because Cade missed and this is going to get to get buried in a couple of weeks and it, and it probably shouldn't. Um, so I, I'm actually right there with you. And that's, that's usually not the case with me. I'm usually like, 
do it. Don't listen to the haters. Like, just go for it. But this was, this was one of them where I, when they trotted that offense back out on the field, I, I think I audibly gasped. I was like, they're not actually going to snap it. They're not going to snap it. <laughs> and then, yeah, it just was, I mean, did they, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they lined up, they took a timeout and then they still went for it. Unless yeah. I'm completely, yeah. So I was shocked. Like I, I thought when they called the timeout, they were like, oh, yeah, they were trying to draw them offsides. They're going to punt it. Nope. And then there comes the offense. So, yeah, man, I, I wanted to bring that up because uh, I thought you had a great answer, but also just because this was really one of the first times where I found myself being like, no, probably actually punt it. You should definitely punt it. So that was really fascinating to me, and, and it's such a topic of conversation, the, the sort of fourth down, the analytics, and how they play into the game. So that, that was a really fascinating one for me. It, it is. It's one of the few that I do think, and I will lean toward aggression too. You know, I've, there's been some Baltimore aggressive moments where I'm like, man, I love that. I really, I really yep. do. But this was different and not every single one of these are the same. They're really cut from different cloth and you have to analyze who's on the other team. What's the situation? You know, like it's just, just a lot there that I think people are, who are just looking at the win probability number are, are, are simply relying on that. And I'm like, man, that is, that's not it. It's not it here. And I think, Staley avoided a lot. He could have been at a crossroads in that game. He really could have coming out of that. So um, anyway, uh, off Brandon Staley, I do want to ask you about Cade York. I haven't really talked on this pod about the miss. Um, Generally for me, I knew Cade was going to have some struggles uh, this year. And I've been from the moment they picked him, I said, the talent is there, but they're going to be misses and you got to be patient. Like I I just I just think that you really have to be patient and understand that rookie kickers are going to miss. Now, the uh risk, uh, I guess the opportunity cost of a fourth round pick versus, you know, it's a tough week. It's a really tough week when you look at special teams yeah. players of the week because you have the Eagles Cameron Dicker who was an undrafted free agent rookie as the kicker of the week and and I know Cade's won one too, but like uh, he wins it and then I think what was it Chase McLaughlin from from the uh Colts won it as well former Browns kicker so tough tough week for uh, all kickers uh, in Cleveland but anyway I, I should say Corey Bohorquez is punting so well not talked about enough that dude is, is absolutely really flipping the field and making some great efforts in the punting game so shout out to him but I knew the the Cade stuff was going to happen the, the thing that was troubling to me is that I watched his first kick before half which was nowhere near nowhere near close it's drifting right. You could see, and in the kicker for, um, I can't think of the man's name in, in LA. Hit the LA's kicker also kicking toward the. I think it was the west end zone. Also, kind of the ball just it's pushing right down there. It's pushing right, and Cade had another PAT he kicked where it was pushing right, and he made it. But you could see it like everything clearly was working left or right down in that end. And I was really troubled by missing that one. And I think he tried to start it a little bit, and it didn't. It 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 pushed further i just thought that man i thought he'd have it solved and that to me like so much about being a good kicker is if you miss one or an extra point or whatever is being able to on the fly solve it why did that go wrong what happened so i was a little disappointed there to me like (laughs) i I, this is maybe like the quarterback in me or calling offense in me but like i want to make that as easy on him as possible and when it gets to 50 yard kicks it's such a coin flip i get it you drafted this guy to make it totally get it but you're just opening yourself up to a higher probability of a miss. You you just are. And and to me, it's like, yeah, he could have, he should have, he could have, should have made it, but I didn't give him a 41 yarder. I gave him a 55 yarder or whatever the number ended up being. I think it was close to 55. And that's not, 
that's not easy. It's not easy and it's not a guaranteed make and, and people act like it is. And it's like, I'm mad at the kicker too, but what do they do? Are you going to cut him? You, you know, you got to ride it out. He has leg power that is rare. And, and, and it is, it is really frustrating how it seems like every visiting kicker into, into first energy stadium never misses. And you have Browns kickers who seem to struggle with it. I don't know how we move <laughs> yep. past this uh, as a, as a whole here, it's probably tied into like the fan animosity takes over the feeling of the kicker at some point. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I guess just getting your thoughts on Kate, I'm, I'm more than willing to be patient with him. I do think he has a lot of talent, um, but, but people are, you know, people are freaking out, man. They're, they're doing their thing on this one. And I just don't think it's the right time to be going crazy. Although, you know, rookie kickers and all it does, those, those growing pains can sometimes happen in ways that don't hurt you or they can happen in ways that cost you ball games. And that's tough sometimes. And I know the same thing happened to early season McPherson last year with the Bengals. They dropped, I don't know if they dropped that game or it would ended up being a tie with the Packers their week five of last year, but he was missing a lot of kicks too, that could have won them the game. So I don't know. Okay. I think I lean toward massive patience with Kate. I think he'll get it figured out, but I'm curious where you are as some people are pretty annoyed and upset with him. Yeah, I mean, I lean that way too. I think it's, you know, it. whenever a kicker misses a kick, especially one, you know, to win a game, I forget, as I mentioned before, like he'd been perfect up until, you know, that Sunday and um, been, you know, th- hit that massive. I mean, can you imagine had they lost that game to, to the Panthers if he doesn't hit that, that bomb of a field goal at the end of that game? I mean, like, then maybe we're, we're having a, a different conversation, but like that was just a, that was a a kick where it was like, well, you know, if he makes it amazing, if he misses it, it was this absurdly long field goal. It's whatever. So, I mean, he basically saved that game for them. So I think like we're very quick to forget too sometimes like it's, it's a recency bias and I totally get it, but you know, he basically won them a game with his leg and now yes, he's, he, he lost them a game. Although you could put that loss on, on more the defense than, than just the kicker, but I I'm with you on like massive patience. And I do think there is something too. This is why it, not that it it frustrated me or upset me all that much, but like in the preseason when they just were were trotting them out there to kick these absurd field goals, which like just was was odd to me. Instead of going for it on some fourth downs, which like it's a preseason, it doesn't matter. But it's also like there's you wonder a little bit if there's a little too much comfort, and maybe that comfort is gone now. But like with the with the Browns coaching staff, with with Stefanski, with the special team staff, like. Uh, well, we don't need to get it that much closer because we've got Cade. And like, I don't know if we're at that point with him yet where you can feel that sort of confidence. I think that's the goal. I think in year two, you were like, yeah, like trot him out from 60. Who cares? Like, he's that guy. But I, I wonder if like early on, they're just a little too confident. And and when they were doing that in preseason, I'm like, is this a like a sign of things to come? Like he made some of those in preseason. You're like, okay, but are we going to do this in a game where it's like, well, we probably need 10 to 15, but if we get five, it's five. We'll just trot them out there. You know, it's whatever. What's an extra five? And you're just like, well, I don't know, man. I don't know if we should be having that type of confidence in him yet. And, and I think to your point, like we should still be trying to make these kicks. The Browns should be trying to make these kicks as, as easy for him as possible, even with the lake he has, because he's still a rookie and he still needs to get used to all this. So no, I mean, I think, you know, hopefully he bounces back um, from a tough week and, and, you know, that's what kickers have to do. And, you know, he'll, he'll sort of adjust another game at home for him to sort of, you know, deal with the, with the elements in the wind and, and figure out how to, you know, 
how to bounce back from something like this. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think they got to be patient and I think they, they also need to maybe not have that extreme, you know, miss maybe slightly misplaced confidence that he can kind of kick it from anywhere because I think that can get them in trouble. And I, you don't want Cade's head to start go a different way when they start having him trot out there for these long kicks and he, and he misses a couple in a row and then you get into a place where he's got to mentally sort of recenter himself. So I hope he can bounce back, but I, but I do think there's something to that a little bit where hopefully they can, you know, they need to just make these kicks as easy for a rookie as possible, no matter what. Yeah. There's a huge learning thing going on right now. And, and, and we all knew it. We, they drafted him. I knew that there would be a time where this would get challenging and, Figured it would happen this rookie season. Unfortunately, the Jets game kick happened, and that ends up being magnified and extra point and all that nonsense. I mean, it's just, yep. it's a lot. It's a lot, and everything outside, you know, the defense is the biggest issue, but everything else is microanalyzed, and it's like, well, you know, should they be here? Or with Jacoby, it's like, should he have been back out on the field at all? And uh, it's tough. It is unfortunate because there have been two instances where Brissett turnovers have, uh, you know, cost. I thought Atlanta, he'd have a kick to at least try to tie that ball game. Yep. A long kick. And then we all know the Jets, they, they were marching. They were down there. They just didn't finish that one throw to get him a chance. So there have been other chances. But yeah, to your point, my point in general, even before I, I need, I need kicks to be shorter. You know, the shorter they are, this yeah. isn't, this isn't tough math here. Just the shorter they are, the better chance you have of it going through the uprights. And I was really disappointed to see them only put together like 10 yards. It just was really frustrating. And then you leave this, this window open of a coin flip and people want to blame it on the kicker. That's fine. But I mean, you got, you got to look at the offense too, to only be able in one minute of clock time to be able to get just 10 yards is not acceptable. It's not an acceptable outcome for them either. So it all piles up. We'll uh, take a quick break, one last quick break, and then we will come back and, just take a look around the NFL, see who's who and who's real and who's pretend and whether the division is shaping up how we thought that would for, for each of them. We'll be right back. All righty. So let's start in the AFC um, where we're, um, we don't need to do the AFC North because we all get that talked about enough. We'll just go around the other two divisions as we start. Um, uh, you know, other three, since I guess there are four, I'm an idiot. Bills, AFC East, Bills four and one, Jets three and two, Dolphins three and two, Patriots two and three. Jets are overachieving, uh, getting through, I, and shout out to them, getting through that stretch of the AFC North to start their season to doing what they're doing now. Quite impressive. I don't really believe in them. The Dolphins have had, I, I don't know, feels like the Dolphins are done. I just can't see them rebounding. It's, just, happened to Tua it's just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then for the you know for Teddy to get a concussion the following week is just like man they just it's all bad there it's all bad it's all bad for sure and then um, uh, at the bottom is the pay I'm, New England I don't think is going to be very good even if Mac Jones was playing I didn't expect him to be very good but the Bills seem to be uh, this is a huge game they have with the Chiefs this week which will be must watch TV but they seem to be the real deal and Josh Allen just continues to morph into more of an alien every week I don't it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but they continue to be so the, any that division look like you thought it would jets are surprised but otherwise i think it looks about how how i would have expected yeah I, i'm with you and i yeah i i'm also there with you and not really believing in the job I mean, until zach wilson shows something you know like i i just am not really there with them and yeah i mean to your point about the bills i think it was i, I think i saw it actually from your your Twitter account, you quote tweeted that that view from the end zone of him throwing that pass to, to Gabe Davis for the touchdown where he's just flicking his wrist while he's getting hit in the end zone and just launching this perfect ball 
to Gabe Davis for a touchdown. And, you know, he takes it another, what, 50, 40 yards. But, like, just the, the placement under that kind of pressure with that little room around him, he's he's turned into an unbelievable passer, man. And it is just it is just incredible to watch from, from what he was at Wyoming and what he was kind of year one and even a little bit of year two in the NFL. He's really turned into a an absolute stud throwing the ball. And then you put everything else with it together. And yeah, man, it, like you said, that game against Mahomes is going to be you know, must watch television. I told the guys at the OBR, I, I, I would have a serious discussion today. If I was starting a franchise, who I would start it with Mahomes or Josh Allen. And I can't believe I'm saying that it's still probably yeah. Mahomes, but I mean, Josh can do some things that are surreal. I mean, and you add in the ability to run and it's like, man, <laughs> It's, it's a it's a debate. I think a debate can be had. I, I, so I never thought we'd really get there, but I still think it's Mahomes. But you know, you take Andy Reid out of the equation. What's that look like? I, I am Jim. Like it'd still be great, but is it the great we're seeing? And I just I don't know. I don't know. We'll see someday. Andy Reid can't can't keep marching on forever. Um, uh, AFC West, the superior division. Everybody thought it would be great. I only see one really good team in that division. I only see KC. The Broncos are whatever. Bro, I, I got it. That <laughs> video of him walking off the podium in full uniform and yep. saying, Broncos country, and walking away <laughs> like a malfunctioning robot. Let, let's ride. It was, it might have been funnier than the Subway ad. And that's saying something because that Subway ad had me laughing in my office audibly loud that my wife texts me. is like, what's going on? Like I, 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 the, the dude is entertaining as hell to me and they suck. Uh, the chargers we just saw, I don't think they're a serious contender. I just can't take them that serious with that defense. Um, the way, the way it is. And we, we know the Raiders are now one and four and yeah, I think the Raiders are a fine football team and they'll, they'll win a bunch of games the rest of the way, but that division's not four, 10 game winners. Like somebody, some people tried to predict, you know, like three, three playoff teams. I don't, I don't see that happening. What do you think? Yeah, I don't either. I I want to believe in the Chargers. Like I I've sort of adopted them as my my second team because I just love Herbert and I I love what he has the ability to do and he's you know still got so much growth ahead of him and but yeah I agree with you like that that defense is not serious and you know Keenan Allen can't stay healthy and they're just you know and and Herbert can barely stay healthy himself and then you put that on you know, with Brandon Staley on top of that, who, you know, was this guy coming from the Rams who everybody lauded for, for how he used that defense. And they just haven't, you know, to be fair, they've had some injuries, but like between the decision-making and sort of how their defense has performed, it's just, yeah, I, I want to take them seriously. Cause I like, I just like them as a collective, but I, I'm also not there. And man, I can't remember a, a receiver just a note on the Broncos but like a non sort of diva not diva that's not even the right word but you think about like okay Terrell Owens would show would get frustrated on the field um you even think about Odell Beckham like he he shows his emotions on the field he gets upset when he doesn't get the ball but those are guys who like can do that because they're you know they're they have the personalities they have the sort of gravitas that where you're just like oh yeah I mean you know that's just T.O.B. and T.O. or whatever to see <laughs> somebody like KJ Hamler lose his mind when <laughs> when Russ doesn't see him and get him the ball on that fourth down and just throw his and just I mean I think a lot of players are telling you how they feel about Russ without saying it some are saying it obviously mm-hmm. Richard Sherman but I think that told me more about like how I think maybe 
this Broncos experiment is going than anything else was just like, I mean, listen, you get frustrated. It's the heat of the game, but like there was rage in that, that was just bubbling from this entire season, I think, and how Russ has played and he's not seeing guys and he's missing guys. And just like, I mean, he looks terrible. And like, I just couldn't, that, that was such a strong scene for me because I just couldn't believe he just went as sort of, berserk as he did and you can really that probably i think sums up how a lot of that locker room probably feels right now so i just man the content from russ has been great i I hope they continue to just have this wildly horrible season because it's just one of those things the content from it has just been phenomenal and it's only we're only five weeks in run pass run (laughs) run pass yell it oh my god it's so good i feel so bad for denver fans because there was just Hey, we got it figured out, man. Got it figured out. Got it. And it's like, oh boy, seven years. Can you imagine, uh, can you imagine, you know, like say the, say the Broncos are like four and 12 and he's like, yell run pass. Can you, can you imagine? Someone's going to fight him. Someone's going to punch him. Can you imagine, dude? Oh, I want it. I need it to happen. (laughs) Someone's going to punch him. Someone is going to, someone is going to fight him. On the bench, it's, it's going to be, be KJ everywhere. Hamler. So uh, oh, keep your eye goodness. out. Shout out KJ Hamler. Um, <laughs> the AFC South. I don't want to waste any time. The Titans oh, are three and two. Disgusting. They're three just and two. And football. They continue to. Titans are just so weird. They're just so weird, and they're like one of the. To me, I. It's going to sound terrible because the Browns have done nothing relevant in the last one, but they just are like the franchise I forget about the most. They're right there, one A and one B with the Jaguars. I just kind of forget they exist. And honestly, the text, the entire division outside of the Colts, because they're close geographically to us. And I've always just liked the Colts in general, but it's such a forgettable division. It is so weird. The Jags thought they could be serious for a little bit. They seem back to be in this young group who's trying to figure out how the NFL works. So they're not, it's hard to take them as serious as you need to. Titans are just going to be a pretender that wins that division. In my opinion, the Texans are wallowing. I have no clue. Even with the Browns picks, the Texans have like Davis mills is Davis mill. He's not, he's not a dude. You can, it's funny watching Texans fans pretend that all off season uh, about him. It's like, Oh, Oh, okay. You want to do that? Um, <laughs> like, Oh, that's cute. Yeah. It's cute, man. It's cute. But, um, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about that division? I have nothing really else to add to it. I, the only thing is, man, I'm just, I'm just very shocked by like the Colts. I, I I didn't think they were gonna be like this incredible football team. I didn't know how much Matt Ryan had left, but Jonathan Taylor just had such an unbelievable season last year. And like I like Michael Pittman. I was intrigued by Alec Pierce, who's actually like played pretty well for them. He's really maybe been the only bright spot on that team so far. But man, like they are just their offense is bafflingly bad. Um Matt Ryan has fumbled the ball approximately seven hundred times through five weeks, and it is maybe the most incredible stat that I don't know if everybody is paying attention to. I, th- I don't know what the exact number is, but that man has fumbled like m- twice a game, every game. And it's, <laughs> I just, it's one of those stats that like you see it, they put it up during the broadcast after he fumbles and you're just like, how is that even possible? So it is, um, it's, it's gone in a direction in Indy that is pretty depressing. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's a fix for it. Uh, but watching their offense right now is really, really tough. And I didn't think like I, I, I was kind of bullish on Matt Ryan, you know, doing maybe some of those consistency things that Carson Wentz couldn't. And it's just not happening. So I, I think it's just odd watching that team sort of completely flounder like they are. 
Agreed. I thought they'd be better. They're, every week I, I look at scores during the Browns game on the NFL's media page, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And I watched them Thursday night for the first time, and I'm like, you know what? That does make perfect sense now. <laughs> You're like, care. oh, that's why. Yeah, yeah, and it was like this Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan stink fest, and I'm like, in this bizarro world, both of those guys could have ended up in Cleveland in their own reality. And it's like, whew, you know, that didn't, uh, that didn't happen, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, Now we go to the NFC. The Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants, the Commanders are – Ron Rivera, bro. Come on, man. I know Carson Wentz stinks, but you just can't say it. And you can't walk. You can't try to hide it and walk back. Front. They're done. The commanders are done. They've been done. They're cooked. But the Giants are four and one. Cowboys are four and one. Both feel like how, first of all, are they four and one? The Eagles are very good. I believe I've been believing in the Eagles since the Browns got together with them. And I took a real good look at their roster in the preseason. I'm like, those guys are going to be really good. We'll see where Jalen Hurts can ultimately take them. But that roster's really good. And um, but yeah, the other two feel like they're just gonna sort of duke it out and lose more some more games coming up close here. But I think the Cowboys are better than the Giants and ultimately end up cementing themselves as a wild card team. Uh, I don't know what you think. I think the Giants are a fun story. You know, Brian Dable sort of this I mean, if you'd have told people in Cleveland uh, ten years ago that this was gonna happen, they'd have they'd have laughed you out of the room. But oh, man. Uh, he's doing well and he seems to have the guys rallying and um you know, it's a fun story. At least Daniel Jones hasn't done anything of relevance. And when they need him to do anything, it'll, it'll look how it's supposed to look, but they're fun. And I think that's more than people expect, but both the New York teams, three and two and four and one, right. Then, then nobody really thought those teams would be worth anything, you know? So interesting at least. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it's also like a, a really feel good story for Saquon. I'm happy he's um, remained healthy so far and is, is, looks explosive again. Like you can tell he's right and he hasn't been right for a few years. Now this may result in like the giants deciding, you know, he's going <laughs> to maybe sign him to a, like a large extension at some point or like do something they absolutely should not do with Saquon. So like, that's definitely in their future, but I'm happy for him. Uh, I'm happy for him that he's, you know, hopefully he stays healthy. Cause it really is like, he is obviously very talented um, and, and very explosive when he's right. So that's been fun to see. Um, yeah, I, I I have no idea to what, what to make of the Cowboys. Um, we'll see what they look like when Dak gets back. But I, I agree with you with the Eagles, man. They're a blast. Um, I obviously have some affinity for, for one of the two Kelsey brothers with Jason being there, still doing his thing, still blocking his ass off, still being one of the best centers in the league. So, like, they're just a blast to watch. And, and I really love watching Jalen Hurts sort of grow and, and play into a – uh what's looking like a really good quarterback so so yeah so so cowboys and giants like yeah don't fully know what to make of them eagles are great but like you said yeah the commanders are commanders are toast man their team name's horrible their their uniform's terrible ron rivera is just roasting his own quarterback in press conferences like it's just going it's going great so i uh you know we need these teams jake we need these teams for our entertainment value so at least the commanders exist for that the black uniforms the commanders have too whoo rough Rough it's just, uniform. It's they, just well, the thing that's interesting to me is, uh, I'll be honest, I did not like Guardians when it rolled out. Just didn't like it. Just, just I sure. don't know. Just didn't like it. And for some reason, maybe it's because they're winning and won the division, and it's a team I pull for. It has grown on me. I think it's maybe the symmetry of the ends, you know, the IANS at yep. the end or whatever. I've just kind of like, all right, you know, taking to the shortening and calling them the guards and seeing. It's, it's just it's worked. I don't know. I don't know if everybody feels that way or I don't know if people who live in 
you know, Minnesota feel like it looking at it from afar, but I hate commanders so much. I, I cannot so say bad. it seriously. I don't, I don't know. I, I would, I still think they just should have just stuck with Washington football team. I really think it somehow worked and they, I, it's bad. It's bad. But anyway, the Cowboys defense, uh, I believe is run yeah. by Dan Quinn still. They're really good. They're, they, they are really, really good. He's going to get another head coaching opportunity at some point. Um, so if Dak could just come back and be respectable, they can push Philly. I think they can push him, but um, you know, how far do they push him? I don't know, but that defense is, you want to, you want to watch the Browns and then go, go turn the Cowboys defense on um, the <laughs> NFC West, another division where people thought a bunch of teams would be really good. 49ers are three and two. I don't think they're very good. They're, they're just, they're just, their defense is fun. I think Joey Bosa, not Joey, Nick Bosa got hurt though. I think he's got a little groin thing that came up. I can't remember if I heard that correctly. Um, you know, they're three and two, the Rams, I don't don't know. I, I don't see it. I really don't see it. And I'm really worried about where the Rams are going. We'll see, but I don't see the Rams and Cardinals being very serious so far this year through five games. The Seahawks are a fun story and Geno's playing out of his mind, but you know, they're going to, they're not going to win a bunch of ball games. They're, they're going to maybe win six or seven ball games. So uh, that division is not very strong. And I think some people thought it would be pretty damn good. I just don't think it's very good. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I, you know, I don't trust Jimmy G. I uh, never have, never will. I, uh, my really only note here is that um, I, the pain I feel for Allen Robinson, who like everybody was like, finally, Allen Robinson gets mm-hmm. to go to a team with a good quarterback and he's getting like three targets a game. Now, part of that, I think, is also, you know, Allen's been around for a long time and he can't quite separate like maybe he used to. Still a great route runner. Um, he can still get open, but I think maybe to a less degree than he than he did early on. But like, man, that just the narrative was just like Allen Robinson is freed. And now he's just, I mean, he's a, he's a ghost. He's a non-factor on that. Team. It's, it's unbelievable. So I, um, the curse of Allen Robinson continues and I, and I feel really bad for him. And that's really my main note about the, about the Rams who appear to be trending in a, a unfortunate direction. Not a very good offense. Matt Stafford, not no. playing very well. So we'll see if they turn it around. I did see today, uh, Sean Payton mentioned, uh, that they haven't offered or they haven't made their final offer to Odell or something like that. Well, okay. Yes. Cool. Good luck. They're playing a weird game of, there's a weird flirtation going on with the Rams and Odell. I don't really understand it. It's just like, it's so odd to me. Like one of it, it just, just, also, is just it make a difference? Or... <laughs> He's right. coming exactly. off of another ACL. <laughs> exactly. You know? But, um, the NFC North, the Vikings sit at four and one. Surprisingly, Packers are three and two. I, I think the Packers are kind of like a ten and seventeen. They just don't have enough weapons. They really just yep. don't have enough weapons. Uh, their defense is kind of strange too, and should be playing better than it is. Uh, I, I don't know. I, that division feels like Minnesota could really win it. Uh, I, I, I know Minnesota's only loss was their trip to Philly, which is going to happen to a lot of teams this year. So. Yeah, I, I think it's Minnesota. I mean, the Bears and Lions are afterthoughts. The Lions have been a fun offense. They put up 140 points, which is, as we sit here, the most in the NFC. I could check the AFC real quick. It's got to be, you know, the Bills have scored 152, Chiefs 159. So they have the third highest point total on the year, yeah. but they've given up 170. So they can't stop anybody. Um, they're, they, you know, they're going nowhere quick. Um, the Bears are somehow two and three, but. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, yikes. I had nothing else to add. I'm not spending much time thinking about either of those two teams, but uh, from what I've seen of Justin Fields and what they've given him and what they're expecting him to do. And 
yeah, yikes, man. 86 points on the year. Surprisingly, though, the lowest point total in the NFC right now, 80 points for the Rams. So that's uh, that's not, not that's good. unbelievable. Uh, no, the, it's uh, it's go not. Go ahead. Any um, on that division takeaways? Yeah, only thing would be, I don't know, man. Like I'm sure Dan Campbell is a a fine enough fellow, but I. I just I think you and I have touched on this before. I think there's a little bit of eye rolling that comes with he's he's not as bad as some of the other sort of rah rah old school football coaches. Like he's he's got some quirks, he's got a little bit of personality, but I just I don't know, man. I just don't know if that's that type of prototype of a coach is a guy that can that can lead a team like that. And uh, you know they they're fun, they do have a fun offense. They've got really good pieces. Um and. And Jared Goff has played pretty well, but to give up a hundred like hundred and seventy points, that number just jumps off the page. So I, I don't know, man. I you know, the Dan Campbell thing I think was fun for a little while, but we'll see. We'll see if that starts to wear off if they have a you know, if they lose if they're like one in ten, you know, in, in six weeks or something. So uh, that's really my only note there. Yeah, it's fun. Dan Campbell's corniness is fun to Russell Wilson's corniness, right? It's fun yeah. when you're winning. Yeah. It's fine when you're winning, yep. but you start losing, man. Helmets start getting thrown, brother. Um, <laughs> NFC South is Tampa and everybody else. Saints can't take them serious. The Falcons are fun. I'll give Arthur Smith credit. He has done a great job, and that defense has fought for what talent they have. They've done a nice job. Uh, they're being two and three, and the Panthers, we know where the Panthers are. We've already addressed it, but it's Tampa and everybody else, and Tampa will win it by default. I have a hard time finding many wildcard teams in this thing. Like, I don't know, isn't there a third wild card this year? So you're talking like, you know, the Cowboys stand yeah, out is. to me, uh, the Packers stand out. And then it's like, okay, Saints, Falcons are two and three Cardinals, Rams are two and three. And then the, the four and one giants, I guess I'm ignoring, but I still, I still have a hard time taking those guys all too serious yet. So yeah, the NFC is, you know, I think the NFC we all thought wasn't going to be that great, but there's just a bunch of mystery over there on the AFC side you know, kind of the same. I think people thought a lot of these teams would be better. I think it's probably more dicey in the AFC side, actually, but uh, there's just not a ton of great football being played, I think, across the NFL. I guess that's the big takeaway. There's just, there's a lot of uncertainty five weeks in. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of sort of like the muddled middle, as as we call it. And yeah, I mean, even the Bucks just sort of feel like they're sleepwalking through the season a little bit. You know, they've mm-hmm. obviously they've got the talent, um, but Brady obviously has. There's a lot going on uh, with Tom on the on the personal life side of things, and they've had a ton of injuries. And yeah, you just don't really feel like they're the same sort of. There's the same hunger, uh, I guess, as as a couple of years ago when they won that Super Bowl. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you. Some of these teams that um, you know will eventually shake loose and, and chase these wild card spots. I just don't know how you feel about them as as serious you know contenders that can can shake up the playoff race. So yeah, it's it's odd right now, man. I think like the teams I'm most surprised by, I guess, are, are probably the Rams. Um, the Rams are way up there, uh, like in a bad way. Um, yeah, and then, you know, the Chargers thought they were going to take a step forward. They didn't. And then I guess you just look at the Colts, too, who I mentioned before. But, you know, they just haven't really shown anything. I thought they were going to be able to compete for that division, and, and they just haven't. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of convolution in the – convolution? Is that a word? I don't know. It's convoluted it's in the middle. Convoluted in the middle. It is. It's mucked up in the middle. They, they will, Every year, some teams figure it out. They come out of the whole the – whole, you know, grossness of the early portion of the year and the offensive. It's not a surprise. Sometimes with the way the NFL shapes itself, no preseason, really the contact before the years is minimal and all that stuff. So there's 
certainly a lot of teams that will just get better as they go and the injury stuff will shake itself out too. But uh, otherwise, listen, man, this was a good episode. A lot, a lot of fun topics, a lot of uh, different things from ranging from the Browns to the NFL and, and all of the above. And I think, I think there's a lot of good stuff here. And I always, Jordan, appreciate the time, man. So we will continue to check in with you around the league and uh, keep a pulse on the rest of the NFL on top of the uh, overarching picture, uh, you know, at least takes about where the Browns kicking situation is. That's probably the most important thing we update every week, you know? It is, man. And I, you know, I can't name my fancy team after Cade anymore if he's going to struggle like this. So that's really, it's really personal for me. You know, this is, it's really about me here. So I need him to get back on the horse so I don't have to change my team name. Yeah, you could do something about like broken yoke, like broken your. I don't know. You got if it gets to that okay. point, you're gonna have to like change it. it to something. There's something. something there. Yeah, there's something. Something sad uh, about that yoke, uh, York, or, or uh, yeah. Let me think on this. I'm open to uh, user, or sorry, listener okay. votes on on a terrible fantasy football team name of Cade York that's based on Cade's name if they if he keeps uh, struggling. So you know, think about that, guys, out there. So Jordan, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me as always. All right, we will check out for today. This has been a fun show. So thanks, guys, for hanging out, listening, supporting the OBR, supporting Jordan, and checking in every time to listen to whatever nonsense him and I have to talk about. Appreciate you all. Have a great Thursday. Stay safe and be well. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.